Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. What a night. What a night for the Rays. Not so much Key's Dodgers. Key is good reason to feel good for a couple of different ways this reason. What you got? No, it's, 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 I don't even, like you said, feel good. I'm like, I was literally sitting here thinking when we were running the highlights and talking. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'm, I'm fine. The Dodgers, six more, seven, uh, five more games to go. Well, part of the reason you should feel good, it's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Jay will be back with us here You said tomorrow. that yesterday. I did say that. I'm going to keep saying it. One of these days, I'll be right. And uh, Bart Scott, the 11-year NFL veteran, will join us here in an hour. Football begins again with the Giants and the Eagles, so it's great to have a couple of NFL studs, Bart, and, of course, Key with us to talk about the Giants and the Eagles. are Not exactly full of studs, but we'll talk football with Bart here. He'll be with us in an hour. But part of the reason you need to feel good, and then part of the reason you may be not feeling so good, you did mention it. Off the top, Tony Gonsolin going last night for the Dodgers, 26 years old. He's clearly not a marquee pitcher for the franchise. He's had a mixed bag in the postseason. You said he would go one and two-thirds. You may have heard it there right off the top of the program with Dan Schulman describing the home runs from Brandon Lau, who I want to talk about here in a second. Instead of going one and two-thirds, Key, you gave him way too much credit. He goes one and one-thirds. And Dave Roberts was like Usain Bolt, like you said, running out of the <laughs> You should have I mean, I, I know you saw it, but. He came sprinting out that thing. He almost <laughs> tripped on the steps. He was like, I got to get him out of here. Give me that damn ball. Yeah, but you, you saw it coming. I mean, he gave up the home run. I'm like, okay, get somebody going. Get somebody up and throwing in the bullpen. Let's go. Now, obviously, this is crazy. This is just the fifth day we're going to have off from the playoffs. But since the playoffs started, today is just the fifth day we're not going to have a playoff game, whether it's the wild card, the LDS, the LCS, or the World Series. So baseball's been trying to motor through, but everybody's going to have an opportunity to catch their breath. I want to ask you about Brandon Lau of the Rays. Um, he had one of the great World Series games in recent vintage, a couple of home runs going oppo on both home runs. Um, is it fair to say that after doing it, we might be able to, after this kid had one of the great World Series performances in recent times, maybe just maybe we can start pronouncing his last name correctly, give him a little bit of credit. He is not the home improvement store. He's not Brandon Lowe, even though it's spelled that way. He's Brandon Lau, and he has improved greatly the Rays' chances of winning the 2020 so, so Fall Classic. Lau, not Lowe. Correct. L-O-W-E, Lau. But to my point, the guy hits a couple home runs in the World Series. He's one of their biggest cogs. Yes, he struggled in the postseason. And maybe I'm just sensitive because of my name and people getting it wrong for the 42 years I've been walking around on planet Earth. But it is something that is notable. Blake Snell was the pitcher of record, made $7 million. The kid they started yesterday was making about a buck five. This is pretty amazing. We should have, we should have taken some. I mean, you probably didn't do this as a kid because you wasn't as bad as me and maybe some of the other people around the world. But there's, you know, there's snails that come out of the gardens that tend to get into the, you know, your sidewalk, the pavement there. You take some salt as a kid and you put it in the snail and watch it bubble. We should have did that to Brandon Snell maybe and got him in a little bit of trouble because he was dealing last night. I mean, he was – you talk about an ace. That's what an ace looks like. I mean, that's really truly – he was fanning us all night long on short pitches. I mean, it, was, it wasn't like he had to get it out. He was pitching 10, 10, uh, 10 balls, delivering 10 balls just to get it out. I mean, it was like one, two, three, out. One, two, three, out. But, you know. 
we eventually got a hold of him. Game three will be Friday. Walker Bueller will be on the mound for L.A., who Key and many people believe is now essentially <clears throat> past Clayton Kershaw, has become the de facto ace of the staff. He'll take on Charlie Morton. And the reason I wanted to mention Morton real quick, Morton is making $15 million, which is by far the most any Rays player is making by far. Blake Snell, last you night's starter. You love that stuff with the Rays. The 2018 Cy Young Award winner, Key. The 2018 Cy Young Award winner who went four and two-thirds yesterday. Kevin Cash praised him greatly. He's making seven, and Brandon Lau, who had two home runs yesterday in the World Series, is making $1.5 million. The last thing on Morton Key, I know you want to maybe erase this from your mind, but it is interesting that Charlie Morton is going to be on the mound. Remember, when Charlie Morton was with the Houston Astros, he was on the mound for the very last out to give the Astros the championship over the Dodgers in Game 7 in 2017, a game that I know you were at. He yeah. was on the bump. He threw the last pitch, <laughs> and he's going to see the Dodgers in a different uniform again tomorrow night. Well, you know, I, it's so funny because I don't, for whatever reason, I don't really have issue with the pitchers as much as I do the batters of the cheaters. Um, it, it's weird because I just feel like, you know, the, the they knew what pitches were coming, where the pitchers, did, you already know what the hitters struggle against. So it's not, it's not the same to me. It doesn't feel the same. And as far as the last out goes, I, I don't really care. We were, we, I left in the fifth inning because we were getting a snot knocked out of us anyway. I think in terms of the money stuff, though, Zubin, when you look at the difference with the Dodgers and the Rays in terms of spending money, that, I've said it before, the Dodgers are always going to pay their players at a premium. They live in Los Angeles. That's what it is. The Yankees, players live in New York. That's just what it's going to be. Tampa Bay is a different city, different economics in that area. So you you tend to just think differently when you run in organizations like that. Those guys payday, as long as they stay healthy, those paydays are going to come. Keep doing what you're doing, whether it's with the Rays or through free agency or arbitration of some sort, they're going to get big money. Think about it. Cody Bellinger was making the same sort of bottom, you know, bottom half of the the the, the money for young players and then he went to arbitration, got a big balloon, and then he'll get he'll get his big money as he continues to move forward. Indeed, or you could leave and get your money like Evan Longoria. Mark Teixeira, ESPN Major League Baseball analyst, will get the last word. He was on SportsCenter all night with Jay Reynolds saying, the Rays, sure, it wasn't a must-win. It's never a must-win in Game 2 in the best of seven, but Tampa had to have this one. I don't think that the Rays could have come back from a 2-0 deficit. And it doesn't mean they're not a good team. It's just they don't have the firepower that the Dodgers do. You saw what the Dodgers did being down 3-1 to the Atlanta Braves. You know, they can throw everything they have at you and, and come back from deficits. I'm just not sure if the Rays are built that way. So this was a huge win and, and a huge night for Brandon Lau, considering he had been struggling and then came up with two big home runs. That is Mark Teixeira, and it's really hard to argue the Dodgers' firepower is something, but last night it was the Rays that had it. A reminder, Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin is presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests will join us on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Much more baseball talk coming up with Buster only at 6.40 a.m. Eastern time. And a reminder to be a part of Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed or hit us up on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Go old school, 888-729-3776. Today, we're asking you to fill in the blank. We normally do it yesterday, but we're going to extend it. The Browns are, fill it in. They're four and two. Baker said the other day, it feels like they're 0 and six. So that's how Baker would fill in that blank. How would you? The Browns are 
open-ended. Want to hear from you. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's official. College football's back. And so is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. Still to come, Antonio Brown is looking for, believe it or not, his fourth team in 19 months. And the front runner to land one of the NFL's most troubled players maybe has the most squeaky clean lie in the NFL. The most squeaky clean guy in the NFL thrown to him. That's on the way. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Morning on the journey to a Super Bowl, you can never leave any stone unturned, especially if you're the Seahawks and you're thinking to yourself, darn it, we should have two. We should go back to back. We got one. Now Russ is completely in control. If they ran a damn ball instead of throwing, they have to. No question. Marshawn Lynch was frozen out. Malcolm Butler made the play of a lifetime. He got paid, and then obviously he got frozen out with the Pats. Nobody still knows what happened to that. Every single time, every single time I see that highlight, I want to throw something at the television. It just—it made zero sense to me why Coach Carroll in 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 Bevel would make a decision to throw when Marshawn Lynch just got you there. Just turn around, and hand it to him. Turn around, and hand him the ball five times if you have to. Get an extra down. Whatever. Do not throw the football. That's all. I didn't get it, but oh well. That was Pete Carroll and offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel. You said you didn't understand it. Zero percent uh, chance that they could probably stop Marshawn Lynch the way he was playing. But we go from zero to 100 because that Seahawks team and the championship team the season before when they beat the Broncos in the Super Bowl were clearly led by the Legion of Boom. They disassembled it. They essentially said, we're going to build this team around the offense. We're going to build it around Russell Wilson. And he might be getting a great weapon. He's already, of course, got Tyler Lockett. He's got DK Metcalf. And now perhaps Antonio Brown. Pete Carroll said they are kicking the tires on Antonio Brown. And by the way, the Seahawks aren't the only team doing it. They're going to have to hold off a couple of other teams to sign A.B. We're waiting to see who those teams might be. Just a quick rundown on what's happened to, of course, to Antonio Brown, just to show you, Key, how much has happened. This guy's been on three teams in a span of seven months. Let's go to pre-pandemic. Can you remember life pre-pandemic? March of 2019, the Raiders finally say, look, we're going to take it on. They trade for him. So March 9th, 2019, he's a Raider. September 7th, I'm free. Do you remember that video? So that's September. Not very smart, but go ahead. Two days later, he signs with the Pats. Then he has a great game with Tom Brady and the Pats. Balls out in Miami. And 11 days after they signed him, they cut him. So essentially, he was on the Steelers, the Raiders, and the Pats all in a span of seven months last year. 
Now he's been sitting out. He's got an eight-game suspension to start the season. Here we are approaching week number seven. So if Seattle or anybody would sign him key, it would be his fourth team in 19 months. What do you make of it? I'm okay with it. Uh, You know, Antonio Brown's problems are not on the football field. He certainly has a Hall of Fame resume and was heading in that direction. Z, the problem with A.B. has been, you know, the the off-the-field issues that continue to come up during that time span. When you look at it, if Seattle is to make that decision that this is something that they really want to do, because the decision hasn't been made. They're doing their investigating. They're doing all the things that they need to do to check it out to make sure it's the right fit. He has a relationship with both quarterbacks and Geno Smith as well as Russell Wilson. Worked out with them in the offseason. When you look at Seattle, you look at it and you go, huh, how does that fit? How does that work? Russell Wilson and Antonio Brown? Polar opposites, you would think, in, in some ways. In, in people's minds. But you got to look at the organization. Okay. And you got to look at John Snyder and you got to look at Pete Carroll. John Snyder, general manager of Seattle, and Pete Carroll, the head coach. Pete Carroll has a history of second and third and fourth and fifth and 100 chances for guys that he believes in, whether it's in college football at USC or whether it's been his tenure up in Seattle uh, with the Seahawks. He's taken on guys in risky behavior uh, through the draft as well as through free agency. He traded for Marshawn Lynch that people said wasn't a bad guy. Look how that worked out for Marshawn Lynch in Seattle. Brought him back. Brought him back a couple times, I believe. You look at... Uh, some of the players in Legion of Boom that, that questioned their character worked out for him. He went and got Josh Gordon. In fact, he's looked at Josh Gordon several times since they had to release him mm. to bring him back because they have things that are in place in Seattle and they believe helping guys as much as they can. And I think there's some, some, some leadership in Seattle, not just in the football field, but in the organization that certainly could help a guy like Antonio Brown. When you go to the field, you match him with uh, Tyler Lockett, who is one of the top three, maybe three, four slot receivers in the game, the young DJ Metcalf. You got uh, David Moore and Greg Olson. Those five, four guys with A.B. you slide in there. A.B. is kind of like everything's there. There's the cake. We got those four guys. That's the cake. The icing is on it. Mm -hmm. Now I'm getting ready to go put it on the table, and I think to myself, hmm, how can I make this cute? and make everybody want to eat it. Mm. You go to the pantry or your cabinet, you come out with those little sprinkles all the kids like, and the kids go crazy. That's what A.B. is going to be for the Seattle Seahawks in that offense. He's that sprinkle that everybody goes, wow, man, that thing really looks good now. That's what he can do. He can lift the coverage for D.K. Metcalf. He can lift the coverage for Tyler Lockett. He's not going to be, and I, and I know how people are, first thing they think, It's going to be a problem. He's going to want the football. All of those things and those narratives that they want to set for him. That's not going to be the case in Seattle. It's just not. You go back to that timeline. One of the major issues in Pittsburgh was Mm -hmm. he wanted his damn money. Mm -hmm. They decided not to give him his money. One of the major issues in in, uh, uh, Raidertown was the feet. The feet started Ah, it all. Ah, the cryotherapy chamber. You remember that, everybody? Cryotherapy chamber started it all. Frozen feet. Frozen feet. So then it became a problem. Then he got into it with with Mayock, the general manager. So that became even more of a problem. Then all of a sudden the off the field stuff came up because he was a model citizen, so to speak, in New England. For those two weeks that he was there, <laughs> right? <clears throat> he, he he actually stayed at Tom Brady's house. That's so right. it was it was kind of like, okay, everything worked out. We cool. 
He went to Miami. He caught the touchdown, had about 57 yards on X amount of catches. And then they fired him. And then he went ham on Mr. Kraft. So it was kind of, then he had the truck incident with the moving company. Correct. So it was kind of like everything was firing out of control. Sometimes when you miss something so bad, you get your act together. And he's missed football for those amount of months that you mentioned. He's been out of the game. The game is going to move on. It's like an assembly line. One gets on, the other gets off. They're not stopping. Right. And so maybe for him, he's woke up now and said to himself, I've got to become a better person in a better situation. The one thing that I do know, if he was a problem on the football field, Russell Wilson wouldn't go to bat for him. They wouldn't work out with him. Football players don't work out with guys that are problematic and get in the way of their success. They just won't do it. They're not going <laughs> to orchestrate workouts and throw to him and bring him to the house. They're not going to bring that in to my family. He may have some off-the-field issues that he got to deal with, but on the field, he's a plus for Seattle if they decide that that's the direction in which they want to go. As I mentioned, they're going to have a couple suitors to hold off. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Pete Carroll, straight to the point on the possibility of maybe signing A.B. We have endeavored to be in on everything that's going on, and John has done a marvelous job of always being tuned in to what's happening, and this is no exception, you know, so we'll see what happens. And John, again, as Key mentioned, the aforementioned general manager of the Seattle Seahawks, a highly regarded John Schneider. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. I would be remiss if I didn't mention what exactly Antonio Brown is fighting at this particular point and why he was suspended for the first eight weeks of the season. I'm sure you know he's had a litany of issues, as Key said, going back to his days in Hollywood, Florida a few months ago with a moving company where he got Jeez. into a bit of a uh, tete-a-tete <laughs> with the people moving some things. He's thrown some things off a balcony at a luxury home. There's been all sorts of problems, but he's got an ongoing civil suit in the state of Florida uh, and the league is also looking into and has been investigating over the course of months sexual assault and rape allegations. That's something that the league had been looking into. So he's got a civil suit and that sexual assault and rape allegation that essentially had him suspended for the first eight weeks of the season. You know, and the only thing that, that I would, would, would question is all that going on, if Seattle was to sign him, any other team for that matter, with everything going on, how is he going to perform? What's his stress level like? You have to have people in place to be able to help him get through that. And it's a great organization from top to bottom. The Seahawks are winning, and when winning is going on, things are great. They're 5-0 and for the first time in franchise history, and that's without A.B. What could they be with them? Still to come, speaking of wide receivers, Jeez. OBJ levels the G-O-A-T. Wait until you hear these comments. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus. Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. No, not in an arrogant way. I just don't think COVID can get to me. I don't think it's going to enter this body. I don't want no parts of it. It don't want no parts of me. I think it's a mutual respect. So I wasn't really worried about the test. I was just more, you know, in my mind, for me and my maturity level, I felt like it was the right thing to do to mention. I may not have been feeling well. I just wouldn't want it to spread throughout the whole building. If there was a case that I'd would have possibly had it. I was just trying to be an adult and be precautious about the situation and um, try and handle it the right way. That the one and only Odell Beckham Jr. I think most people agree with the first part of his statement. Nobody wants COVID in their body. The second part, I'm not sure how many people agree with that they're not scared of it. Indications are many people think the worst of COVID is still to come in this country with a second surge. Those are the words of Odell Beckham Jr. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin here on ESPN Radio. Bart Scott, the 11-year NFL veteran, will join us at the top of the hour. It's a football Thursday. We'll get into it. Kirk Herbstreet's going to be here a little bit later at 8.30. If the college game is your variety, and Jay will be back with us. Jay's on the key Jay-Z injured list with a uh, tooth injury, retroactive to two days ago. And hopefully he'll be back with us very soon. He went, to, he went to Duke, man. He's soft. Hey, you played football. I watched you play football, so I'm not going to say I don't have anything with regard to the pain threshold that you have. But I'll tell you, man, tooth injuries can be as debilitating as anything. Man, I don't want to come across man. like a whip, man, but Jay, Jay a, Will's a soft. tooth injury? I'm going to pressure him into coming in. He's soft. <laughs> Bart called the Cowboys soft yesterday. Jay, playfully, playfully, Jay, if you're listening this morning, of course, Keith's calling you soft, all tongue-in-cheek. We... Wish you the best in your speedy recovery. We'll have you back here soon. All of our guests on the Shell Pennzoil performance line, including Buster Only, if you're into the World Series. tooth. Interesting. (laughs) I'm with Jay, man. I've been there. I've had all four wisdom teeth pulled out. Buster to talk a little baseball here in eight minutes. Let's talk a little NFL. More from OBJ. So there's his thoughts on the coronavirus. I want you to take a listen to these comments, which are raising a ton of eyebrows from OBJ on what people think about his sideline antics. And when sometimes somebody else has sideline antics... We give him a pass. Put two and two together here. I'm and at this point, I really don't care to keep trying to make myself look like a good guy into the world and all that because I am who I am. I got pulled out of the game. The coach said this was the best decision. It's eight minutes left. And for me, I'd rather take my over like a man. I'd rather take my win the same way. I want to be out there to the last whistle competing. I love them to death, but there's people who have plenty of rings and consider the GOAT and they do things on the sideline and, and they get away with it and it's classified as passion because they may have something behind their legacy or whatever it is. And to me, bro, we love this shit that much. It means that much. There's no way around it. I don't care if I have zero rings, 12 rings, 20 rings. I, I love this game of football and I'm not going to keep doling myself for the world to feel like I'm mature or whatever word you would like to throw around it. I'm always going to be me and tired of losing, tired of losing the good teams and just ultimately want to win. Key, obviously there, the back half of the statement, I don't care if you're the GOAT, I don't care who you are, I don't care how many rings you have, clearly taking a shot at Tom Brady, who's shown some emotion just a couple of weeks ago with his offensive line uh, in Chicago when the Bucks couldn't protect him, just was absolutely going off on them. He's shown some emotional sparks over the course of the last 20 years. 
And while he gets a pass as being fiery, passionate, and wants it more than anybody else, OBJ is saying, why don't you treat me the same way, essentially? Well, I, <clears throat> I agree with OBJ from beginning to end. Everything he said, just everything he said, because clearly he wants to win. And when you take a player out of a game, no matter what the situation is, you want to be a part of the team, whether you're winning or you're losing. You want to still be there to the end. And I was the same way. I mean, I get, I would get into arguments on the sideline with the coach take me out. I didn't ask your ass to take me out. Don't take me out. There's no, I'm not tired. I'll let you know when I'm tired and I want to come out. As far as getting a, a, a pass for Tom Brady, he's absolutely right. I understand Tom Brady won six rings and he's the GOAT and he's going to the Hall of Fame. Uh, uh, first ballot, the whole thing. In fact, they may he may be the first guy that they let in as soon as he retired for one year. <laughs> that that may be true. But what happens in the media is you look at a guy with a personality and the hair, the position he played, and you you then turn and you take historically the white quarterback mm-hmm. who's supposed to be the leader, the guy. Well, you got the brash receiver going off on the sideline. You take it and shape it to be your own narrative. This isn't just OBJ. It's been going on for years, man. Let's call it what it is, right? Tom Brady can scream and holler, and it's passion. First one in the building, last one out. Oh, he's the reason why. They give you all those different levels of how they want to try to explain his behavior on the sideline, but they're going to give you one or two about OBJ. And I understand exactly what he's saying. My advice to him is don't pay attention to those people. Just keep doing you. you play football. Help your team win. And if you have to vent your frustration on the sideline, so be it. Don't get caught up in the media. Don't get caught up in the fans. Get caught up in helping your team win games. That's it. Don't, don't worry about it. I lived it firsthand, man. I was one of the first ones that the media would attack for having certain passion, as y'all like to call. I say y'all because I like to remove myself from the media, as, as y'all would like to describe it. Oh, he's wild. Look at him going off on the sidelines. All of those little words and adjectives to describe. You know what I'm talking about, Z. The buzzwords, the euphemisms. I will tell you this. This is one thing. And it's ridiculous. I'll take you inside the media here for a second. I've been doing it my entire career. Key obviously has had a brilliant second act in the media. One thing I would tell you is these are the types of things that many sports radio hosts, and this is why you keep it real all the time with regards to the white quarterback, the black wide receiver. What happens a lot of times is we will go on the air and absolutely crush these guys. But secretly we go to the locker room, we get that piece of commentary from OBJ, and then we break the speed limit going back to the radio station to say, can you believe what we just have? Can you believe what we just have? We secretly love these sorts of things, even though then we will go on the air, guilty as charged, and then say, can you believe this guy said that? It's the old adage of all we want our athletes to be is honest. And the second they're honest, they're like, how in the world could you say that? <laughs> and, and when you look at him, up until last week against Pittsburgh, he had five catches in the previous game, five catches in the Dallas game, two touchdowns, four catches in the other game. They were winning. The moment he has two catches, they lose. He's frustrated. He slams his helmet down. I've seen Tom Brady slam his helmet down. I've seen Matt Ryan slam his down. I've seen Cam Newton slam his down. Well, when Cam slams uh, uh, slams his down, something's wrong with him too. It's just 
That's the world we live in, man. Let's call it what it is. We, we tend to want to run away from that. We tend to want to act as though hold quarterbacks to a higher standard. I've always said those are the most selfish dudes on a team. Let's stop acting like that just because they make the most money. You know, old, the quarterbacks are some of the most selfish dudes on the team. They, they really are, and I've learned it from one of my head coaches. That's what opened my eyes up to it. OBJ will be fine, whether it's in Cleveland or somewhere else, somewhere else because he is a talented player. But he can't be talented if he's a cardboard cutout standing in the middle of a store aisle. He can't, he just, he can't be. He has to be active. They've got to figure out how to get him to football. You're paying him a lot of money. He helps you win games when he's on point. And if you can't figure out how to allow him to help you win games, then you're going to get the frustrated part, frustration out of him. And you got to live with it if you're an organization and a head coach. That's just what it is. I mean, you know, you, you, as a receiver, you depend on 11 people to get you the football. Mm-hmm. The 10 guys on the field, minus you, remove yourself, and the offensive coordinator. That's the 11th guy. Everybody's got to do their job for you to be able to get the ball. You're out on an island all by yourself. Okay, and if you're not doing your job, the first thing people start to say is he can't play anymore. Oh, he's not good. He only had two catches. Now they start to hurt who you are. They start to shape that narrative about you. And that's not right because he needs Baker Mayfield. He needs Landry to do his job. OBJ needs to do his job. He needs Kareem Hunt to do his job. Chubb, whoever's calling the offensive plays. He needs everybody. It ain't him. This is not basketball. And I'll say it a million times. I've only seen one athlete handle everything by themselves, and that was Bugs Bunny. That's it. <laughs> That's the only one. I, the only guy. It's fair enough. And we should just mention that, look, at the end of the day, they want you to be a widget in the locker room. But in order to stand out, especially in 2020, as we've learned, authenticity, personality, genuineness, that is who you are as a person. Man, and be, your person. Your, man be yourself, Zubin. Right. How hard is that? It's very hard for people to be themselves. It's a simple statement, Key. Because you have a lot of swag and you've always been that way, but for a lot of people, literally, and for a lot of people listening, you know how hard it is for people to be I, themselves? I do. No, I absolutely do, but I'm talking about in particular to OBJ and the guys that play on teams. Stop being afraid to be yourself. What got you to be OBJ? What made the Giants draft you? What had you uh, picked in the first round? What made you perform at LSU is who, well, speaking of LSU, right. <laughs> uh, it that's what got you there, being you. Don't change. Don't don't all of a sudden feel as though because they're talking so negative about you that all of a sudden you got to go into a shell. Oh, I can't say anything. Oh, I don't want. I mean, just be you. Yeah. Your performance will speak for itself. Great passion from Keyshawn. And by the way, check your phone uh, for the OBJ LSU reference. We'll see you back in Baton Rouge in 2022. <laughs> Thanks a lot. We're asking the Keyshawn J. Will. He should have been at SC with me, though. <laughs> I, wish he was, I wish he was older than me when I was at USC winning. He'd walk over there and hand me a little, little money. Little two thousand dollars if the reports are correct for LSU. We're asking the Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin Nation to fill in the blank. Our one word to describe the Cleveland Browns. One word to describe Key this morning is passionate. Rumberto underscore P. Hit us up on the Dr Pepper Twitter feed. His one word: inconsistent. It's a underscore great underscore Dave. It is also a great day. Said quote: overrated. And J. One Burris. His one word: dysfunctional. I think I agree with all three fellows.
Those are the words of Dan Schulman and those are the words of Keyshawn Johnson, noted baseball historian beforehand, saying Gonsolin would go one and two-thirds, the 26-year-old starter in game two for the Dodgers. Lo and behold, he goes one and one-third. So Key essentially right on the money, which leads us to our Major League Baseball Insider Buster Only. Baseball Tonight podcast, new episode available every single day this week. And if Buster happens to get a little ill or has a schedule conflict, Key, with your baseball prognostications, you could be right there. You could go from NFL Live, Countdown, this radio show. Why don't you add a podcast to the mix? Keyshawn Johnson, our insider in baseball. Baseball analyst, ESPN. All right, let's bring in Buster only. We're not going to push Buster out just yet. Tongue planted firmly in cheek. All right, Brandon Loud, the two home runs after barely showing a pulse in the postseason. Buster, how unlikely was this performance from this dude in this spot? Yeah, he had been 6-for-56 in the postseason, a 107 batting average, generally considered by his teammates to be the most talented hitter on the team. And, you know, Kevin Cash, the Rays manager, the, he has this great sledgehammer, sarcastic humor. And when we talked to him before the game, one of our guys asked him, hey, what do you see in, in, uh, in Brandon Lau? And he goes, well, he needs to get an, a bleep and hit. <laughs> that's the way they, they, you know, that uh, Kevin felt going into it, that they needed to, to have something successful to build off of it. Man, um, you know, he certainly did that last night. Uh, what Kevin said, too, you know, because people have been wondering about Lau struggling so badly about why keeping him near the top of the lineup. He basically said, look, we have to have him hit. Like, they haven't had many guys perform well offensively in this postseason. And they needed Brandon Lau to step it up, and he did last night. Buster, Kevin Cash was criticized, you know, somewhat heavily over the last couple of days because of Tyler uh, Glass now being pulled, or, or better yet, left in too long. And now he goes out there and he yanks Blake Snell after Snell after he's been dealing. What, what made him do that? You think the criticism? No, I think it was because, Key, the fact that their key relievers were all fully rested, and that is the strength of the Rays team, is that great bullpen. And so they were all fully rested. They have the day off in the World Series today. And so going into the game, he knew that he was going to manage aggressively with those great relievers. And, you know, their hope with Blake Snell was that he was going to go out and attack the strike zone, and he did that early. But you saw in the fifth inning, he was starting to – there was erosion – and he's got those three reliever monsters out in the bullpen, and he was going to use them, and he did, and, and uh, you know they did very well. It's so funny. I'm getting ready to take your job because last <laughs> night I'm patting myself on the back. I was texting with the fellas, and I said, we're going to get him in the fifth. And we, start, and, and, and we started kind of chipping away at him, and then they went out there and yanked him. But you're safe. Don't worry. Um, let me ask you this, though. <laughs> let me ask you this, Buster. What was the biggest move by Cash last night? I think going to that bullpen um, and understanding how to, you know, to, to win in the moment. In the time that I covered Joe Torre as manager of the Yankees, his focus was always in the postseason, and no manager was better in the, in the playoffs and World Series than Joe Torre was, you have to take care of today. And so I think managing that aggressively with Snell, despite the fact that, you know, four strikeouts in those, excuse me, nine strikeouts in those four and two-thirds innings, I thought that was really important that he did that. Plus, you know, I mentioned uh, about Brandon Lau, um, you know, showing faith in his guy, understanding his team, and, uh, and knowing that they had to make sure that Brandon Lau uh, understands that they believe in him and that, you know, keeping him in that spot in the lineup and not making a bunch of changes. Buster only ESPN's baseball insider <clears throat> joining us on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. 
Buster, what's the key to the Rays winning the whole deal? It's the management of that bullpen. And the fact that in this round it's going to be so different than what we saw in the division series and in the league championship series where, you know, they're not going to be playing seven games in seven days. They're going to have off days. And so I think, you know, Kevin's management of those key guys in the bullpen is going to be absolutely huge. And last night, I can't tell you how many people around baseball that I spoke with the other teams who were saying, man, the Rays are not going to be able to slow those guys down. Like that Dodger offense is on a roll now. Uh, they, they have such great play discipline. They're putting together great at-bats. And, and the fact that they were able to even slow them down for a night was absolutely enormous. To get the lead early and to have Blake Snell throw up some zeros early, that was huge for them to stop the Dodgers' momentum. Well, before we let you get out of here, let me ask you about game three. Walker Bueller and Charlie Martin take the mound. Uh, tell me a little bit about Charlie. Yeah, so he is one of the great characters in baseball because there's always a little bit of insecurity, a lot of self-deprecation. My favorite story about him was when he signed with the Houston Astros, you know, they he was coming off a terrible year, and the Astros offered him a two-year contract, and he sat down for a meeting with the Astros, and the first thing he did when he looked across the table was, why would you give me a two-year offer? Like, his feeling was, I was terrible. Why would you do that? (laughs) And that's Charlie's personality, but I think it serves him well because he takes nothing for granted. He's fully prepared. And since he went to Houston, uh, really gained from the analytics uh, that they provided him, he has become one of the best postseason pitchers in baseball absolutely even keeled he's going to be great in that moment and he needs to be mm. and we should mention for those that remember i don't want to bring up a bad memory for key it was charlie morton that was on the mound that recorded the final out when the astros defeated keys dodgers yeah, cheaters in 2017 and now he'll be on the mound against the dodgers for a different squad for the best baseball analysis everywhere you could either go to Keyshawn johnson or you could check out buster only on the baseball tonight podcast every single weekday if we get a game seven it'll be next wednesday it's been a crazy baseball season buster i'm sure we'll have be back on again really soon really appreciate the perspective absolutely see you guys all right buster thank you buster we'll talk buster's safe he doesn't have to worry okay barry melrose safe for the hockey and buster safe on the baseball but watch out for the football that is key's thing and of course a big hoops fan if you found out listening to the show speaking of hoops a little nba talk on the way but first let's go from a to z and from a to z is brought to you by redbox now available at redbox an edgier seat action thriller that can't be missed rent ava starring jessica chastain visit redbox.com for all the ways to watch ryan fitzpatrick will now be watching tua tonga vailoa taking over as miami's starter here's fitzpatrick on his first reaction when he heard the news of the demotion i was shocked by it you know it definitely caught me off guard and it was a hard thing for me to hear yesterday just kind of digesting the news my heart just hurt all day like it was it was heartbreaking for me you know and I Flo kind of said what he said and said what he said to you guys as well and that's the decision and the direction that the organization is going in and obviously you know we've talked in the past uh, me and you guys about you know how I'm the placeholder and this eventually was going to happen no matter it was just a matter of kind of when not if and it still just it, it broke my heart yesterday, and you know it's a tough thing for for me to hear and to now have to deal with. But you know I'm going to do my best with it. He essentially said, "Key, he was heartbroken." Go, go a little personal here. Uh, the last time you were heartbroken when you put your heart and soul into something and it just doesn't work out the way you want. 
Nah, I don't worry about stuff like that. Okay. I'm, I, I'm You're a, tougher I'm, than yeah, that. Yeah, I'm a little tougher than that. Key ain't going to miss time for a tooth. Key ain't going to show vulnerability for nothing. All right. Speaking of the NBA, the Pelicans have hired Stan Van Gundy as their head coach. He's the seventh head coach in Pelicans history. He's 61. He'd been working for TNT. From what I hear, another Van Gundy that works for another television network could be joining him in the NBA soon. That's neither here nor there. This is Woj on why Van Gundy was hired. What they wanted for that team was a teacher. And you have a combination of some very talented young players. Obviously, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, and down. But you've got Drew Holiday. You've got J.J. Redick. This is a team that can make a jump into the playoffs. That was important, his ability as a teacher, but also how good defensively Stan Van Gundy's teams have been. He's 61 and kind of a taskmaster. Uh, is this a good fit for Zion? I think it is. It really is. He, he, you know, Zion's young. He needs somebody like Stan Van Gundy to be able to help him. If you think about young Dwight Howard has Stan Van Gundy, and you think about an older Blake Griffin in Detroit had him. So Zion's pretty much in between those two guys. It's a great point, and let's discuss that just a little bit more. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests on the Shell Pennzoil performance line and Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Quoting home insurance just got easier with Progressive's Home Quote Explorer. Quote and buy all online at Progressive.com. This will be his fourth head coaching stop. I mentioned he's 61. Fourth fourth head coaching stop. Wasn't great in Detroit, but obviously had some success in Miami before Riley took over for him. And then obviously took the magic, as you mentioned, with Dwight Howard to the NBA Finals in 2009. So this will be job number four, Detroit, Miami, Orlando, and now New Orleans. The reason I ask you that is part of the reason he wasn't able to work in Orlando is because, as you said, he had a little bit of a falling out with Dwight Howard. I understand those 11 years ago. That might as well be 500 years ago in the NBA. But if you can't get along with your best player. But you also understand Dwight Howard's personality. And I got Dwight you. Howard, yeah. who Dwight Howard is, <laughs> a little bit different than Zion. I think Zion is a little more reserved than Dwight. Uh, Dwight had a, you know, I'm Shaq-type attitude when he was in Orlando, which rightfully so. He was the big and he was the guy. He was Superman with the cape. He was the dunk guy. He was all of those sort of things. So the relationship never really took. Where I think Zion being so young and kind of just, you know, Brandon Ingram's there, Zoe's there, you know, you got a couple other players that are there that can teach him, Drew Holiday. All. So it's a little bit different, I think, than the experience that he had with Dwight Howard in Orlando. Zoe, obviously, Lonzo Ball, and if he stays healthy with that particular young lineup and everything they were able to extract in the Anthony Davis deal, you would think it could be a good mix. But 61 years old and, again, on his fourth head coaching job. And, again, just spitball here. Maybe Jeff joins him with the Rockets right now. Houston and OKC still need head coaches. They do. They do. And there's a lot of candidates that's out there, qualified candidates for these, those two jobs. Have they ever coached as head coaches in the league at the same time? I think they have, but we'll confirm it during the break. More AB Talk on the way. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.